0: Jerem, Jerem, can you hear me if I whisper? Yes, yes. Can yes I can, I whisper, Spencer. Jerem? Yes, you can yell as loud as you want, but I am not allowed to talk more than 15 decibels.
1: <laughs> I don't lose often, but when I do, it's uh, to Jason.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from This Week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
0: Joining us now, another man who is young at heart and looks fantastic for his age, the athletic director of the year, BYU. It's Tom Homo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Tom, congratulations on winning that award. What did it mean to you to hear that?
3: Thank you, boys. Uh, It's a humbling experience. Uh, My first thoughts right away are definitely, I'm just blessed to have this job. I love my job. I get to work with the greatest athletes and coaches and staff and Cougar nation. And so I just, I've always felt that BYU's had an outstanding brand. I came here in 1978 to play football for the Cougs and I've been here for a long time and the brand has been so strong. And I think that's, you know, a credit to Cougar nation and everybody that's been a part of it. And uh, I think I benefit from those things. Kalani's great season this year and basketball and all the things it's, I get the uh, credit a lot of times, and it, it's on the shoulders of those teams most of the time.
4: Tom, once the announcement was made, you had a lot of uh, current coaches and players, a lot of former coaches and players. Talk about exactly how much you have meant to them and to the program. What did it mean to you to hear all those kind words from everybody?
3: I mean, it, it was touching. It's, it's the best part of my job is working with the student-athletes and the coaches I mean, it's a little bit different. I didn't grow up in marketing or compliance or development. I grew up coaching and playing. And I, I just, my my touch, I think, here at BYU is to be able to reach out and build relationships with the players and coaches. And that's my favorite part of the job. If I could just do that, I would. But there's other parts <laughs> of the job that sometimes take me away. So to be able to hear and talk with some of our former and current uh, players and coaches was Sweet to me.
0: Yeah, let's explore that a little bit uh, because you did face some unique challenges and difficulties, certainly over the past year. But being an athletic director in general, even without COVID in play, is, is a very time consuming, challenging process. So, what for you has been the biggest challenge that you faced as the athletic director at BYU?
3: In all my, t- I mean, my, I don't know challenges. There's always challenges. It seems like being a football player and a football coach, you learn. That in any given game, whether it's in the first quarter or in overtime, you're going to come up with unexpected challenges. And I think that that's been a blessing for me to have had many experiences, many where I've succeeded and quite a few where I've failed. And I really feel that those experiences along the line have helped me in this job because I just understand, fully realize that in my job, we're going to have failures on a somewhat regular basis whether it's a team or me or our department or someone makes a big mistake. And I just kind of look at it from a sports perspective. You rebound, you step, you pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and get back in. So I don't really see challenges as debilitating as much as opportunities to get better and get stronger. We've learned a lot. I've been in this business a long time, and uh, we always talk about things that are good in Tom Homo's life. I'm so glad you don't talk about things (laughs) that went wrong.
4: (laughs) Well, Tom, let's go to the other side of that question then. What do you view as your greatest accomplishment in the last year dealing with everything you've had to deal with?
3: I think it's hard. I I haven't thought about that, but Shep, you asked that question. I think my greatest accomplishment would be the one-on-one dealings to get us through. Um, How many times Kalani and I sat knee-to-knee and – Just tried to figure it out. Um, Times where I was with Brian or Liz or people in our department, and we were thinking, okay, how are we going to do this? And so that was probably the most rewarding is to be able to go through some opportunities that we'd never been through before and try to figure it out. Again, we figured out a bunch of stuff. But we had some major <laughs> catastrophes that don't really get out on Sports Nation. So there's, there's, there's pros and cons, and I, it all averages out. And, um, you know, in the end, Coog Nation is strong, and we're going forward.
0: BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo with us on BYU Sports Nation. We played a montage at the beginning of the show, rewinding to March 11th and March 12th of last year. And frankly, I, I felt a lot of emotions just looking back on that day and thinking man had i only known what was about to happen i we were all kind of in panic mode but we didn't really know what, what was coming Let, let's get your thoughts what were your thoughts and, and your mindset on march 11th and march 12th of last year as the athletic director
3: i really i think it's too fresh for me to really um reminisce at this point in time. I just don't want to watch it right now. I just turn it off whenever it flips on because we're still in it. And I I just don't look back and think, wow, that was a crazy time. I get it. We lived through it, but we're we're in the middle. We're not in the middle. We're at the end of it, but we got to finish up strong through this. You look and see um, Duke and Virginia getting knocked out of the tournament, the ACC tournament. Uh, I think our – our uh, pedals to the metal right now. We have to continue to be uh, very uh, vigilant and continue to work. I remember vaguely the details. Someday I'll look at it and be able to talk about it. I just know it hurt. It hurt a lot. There's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty. And the details are vague right now to me, but it was just trying to get through each day. And that's how it was for, that's how it is for everybody in the country. That's how it was for you guys. Uh, I remember trying to figure out what are we going to do on BYU TV sports? You guys are (laughs) dying to get things on and and everybody in the world. It's a pandemic. We all dealt with it. And fortunately, we live in a great area here in Utah where government officials, uh, the counties, the people's attitudes, um, the leadership, here with the church BYU it's just we all work together and we got through it pretty strong and now we got to finish up there's so much riding right now that's why I don't want to talk about it this is close where we were right at the tournament last year and it got snatched away and I just don't do not want that to happen again Tom,
4: when, when you look back at the last year, and this is our question of the day, the question of the day that we're asking BYU Sports Nation is, what's the greatest BYU sports accomplishment in the last year? A lot of people have talked about football and just getting that schedule together and being able to play as many games as the football team did. What do you think is the greatest BYU sports accomplishment in the last 365 days?
3: It's all, it's all relative. It just depends on who you ask. You're asking me I've, there's so many great things going on, and they're still going on. I mean, the, the, oddly enough, one of the first things that popped into my mind is our pole vaulter, Zach Warder, breaking the school record. That's how I think. <laughs> I mean, that's how I think. I just I, I look at our student-athletes, and I'm so amazed at how resilient they are, and I'm, I'm so inspired by them that in this crazy time, they are on fire that's it that's what it is to me uh yeah certainly one of the things that's really warm and took a lot of time was you know working with kalani and the team watching those guys day after day week after week continue to build and strengthen themselves that was huge and it's a it's a it's a big public piece of what we do here it's a huge part of our brand and i think overall. To see all the individual performances, the great coaching um, efforts, that would probably be number one for me.
0: Tom Hommel, BYU Athletic Director with us on BYU Sports Nation. You understandably have uh, a very unique perspective on the NCAA basketball tournament because you see it differently than most. You were in the war room. You were part of the selection committee for multiple years. And Jason and I were just very uh, aggressively discussing what we think BYU deserves on Selection Sunday with the metrics and the blind resumes. If you were seeding BYU, knowing what you know about the committee and you know the top opinions, the bottom opinions on the Cougars, where would you seed BYU right now?
3: Oh, you're asking me where I would. I, I would say probably a seven. I If you're saying what, what what it will be, nobody knows what it will be. I think right now, because basketball, uh, the analytics are so strong, and I think they're pretty even. I thought you and Shep did a really good job. I watched earlier in the show your assessment of the blind resumes was very good. I think that <laughs> watching uh, Joe and his bracketology, Lenardi, and you look at the bit bracket matrix – it's a not too, too far off. I think what you're going to see is you'll see individual teams, individual teams that might fall off of a line and there's not too many of them. There'll probably be a handful of things that don't go as planned based on the bracketology. And that's just going to come down to that room and how those conversations go, because they're not looking at bracketology. They're having great discussions. They're looking at all the metrics And it comes down to individual personalities and biases. And when I say biases, a lot of people in that room have great understanding of biases that bring out the best in the seedings. And some of them don't agree and have other opinions. So what comes out on Sunday for some teams will be a surprise.
4: Tom, I know this is something that has you excited, certainly has the fans excited, and that's the opportunity that we're starting to see more and more of the programs on campus allowed to have fans, even at limited capacity. Uh, First of all, what are your thoughts on that? How excited are you to see BYU fans being able to come back and see these teams? But also, what's the data telling you right now on what may be realistic moving forward in the future in terms of full capacity?
3: Well, we're everybody's hoping that in the fall, you will have somewhere near full capacity. And I think that's important. I think that you'll see with BYU sports right now in the springtime, whether it's baseball, that's opening up or volleyballs or the soccers that will start with limited number of fans. And I would expect that, that those numbers will grow in a pretty uh, efficient and timely manner. But we still have to make sure that we don't lose our minds and just go from zero to 60 overnight. So we'll be careful. Um, We'll be uh, cautious to a degree. But when we see that it's working well and the numbers continue to drop, then we'll move accordingly.
0: Tom, congratulations again on winning Athletic Director of the Year. Major accomplishment for you and for the entire athletic department. I know that you're quick to give credit to so many individuals around you, uh, but we, uh, we, we collectively feel like it was so well-deserved. So uh, we appreciate all you do for BYU Athletics and uh, look forward to the NCAA tournament. Thank
3: you, guys. You guys do such a great job when I talk about that brand. Sports Nation and BYU Broadcasting, the radio and everything, to be able to get out and reach everybody, make them feel that they're a part of it at all times, that's something special, and we really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Tom. Tom. And I'm so happy you're not on the selection committee this year so you can get some extra sleep. You deserve it, my friend.
3: (laughs) Oh, I don't know how I'm going to sleep. Saturday night and Sunday, I won't be sleeping. (laughs)
0: All right, well, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, boys. Tom Homo on the Deseret
4: First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I love talking with Tom. He is so great. He's, and I'm telling you, the fact that he won that, I I can't even say how deserving of that award he was. I can't think of anybody else that deserved that more than him.
0: Think about what has happened and transpired for BYU. If you include football, nine teams ranked in the top 16. Eight of those teams currently competing. Yep through the spring in just a wild situation, and now fans are coming back in. You think about the $15 million in the all-in campaign mm-hmm. raise that was you know, really pushed by Tom. It's, it's just been remarkable.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU
1: Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our next guest is way better than we are at her job and probably even Mm, our jobs. Her name is Jennifer Rockwood, 400 wins, joins us (laughs) on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jen, we've known you for a long time, but 400 wins is like incredible. What, What was that like Saturday to not only beat LMU, but to accomplish something, as Gregor Bell said, you're the first woman to win 400 at the same school in D1. That's incredible.
5: Yeah, it was it was awesome for sure, Um, you know. But during the game, you're just worried about winning the game, so I wasn't really <laughs> thinking about that. Just making sure that we uh, did what we needed to do at LMU to uh, get our three points and, and move forward. But after all was said and done, uh, it was a fun little celebration on the field afterwards. I guess it means I'm I'm old and I've been uh, doing it a long time, so we got a few wins.
0: Jen, it's International Women's Day, so it feels fitting that we have one of the most influential women on campus at BYU joining us on the program, and a lot of people look at you as a role model, major mentor, but do you see yourself as such? Because I know you bring a very humble approach to things, and for the record, we see you as that, but how do you feel about the impact and, and the, the role model uh, performance or role that you've had on so many women?
5: Well, I, I hope, um, I mean, I aspire to be, you know, a good leader uh, and a good role model. Um, something that we try and, and have our athletes do as well. We spend a lot of time talking about it. And for me, I certainly know I can get better each and every day. So I try to do my very best. I, I had a lot of great leaders and role models uh, that came before me that, you know, gave a, a young, uh, you know, 25, 26 year old a chance of coaching Division One soccer. And I know you mentioned the name Elaine Michaelis and and Anne Valentine certainly were big role models for me and, and led the way for all of us to do what we love to do here athletically at BYU. And so certainly indebted to uh, what they brought and their dedication. They dedicated their lives to building uh, women's sports at BYU. And I think uh, it's in good hands with a lot of the people leading us right now and the women uh, that are still trying to move forward with what uh, Elaine and Anne tried to uh, start.
1: We talked to BYU women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood, who just got her 400th win. Jen, take us back to the pre-NCA days of BYU as a club. 95, <laughs> BYU becomes an NCAA-sanctioned sport, and then you're the coach, and like you said, you're 25, 26 years old. Now you're 32 years old. Crazy. Uh, but it's, it's been a minute, and you've been the only coach, and you know, where was it at before you got it to this point?
5: Ah, Yeah, it's it's crazy to think. I came out uh, to BYU as an 18-year-old, as many of us do. As as a college student, we were talking on, had my 12 speed and no car and um, (laughs) played on the club soccer team. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Some of my best friends through college uh, uh, played on that. We weren't super good, but uh, got a little bit better. And after that, I graduated and coached the club team. So I was coaching my best friends uh, the very next year. So I've had an interesting path. Certainly never Planned on uh, being a head coach professionally um, as a business finance major coming out of BYU. But it's the path, I think, that was uh, laid out for me and one I took and tried to do my very best. But 1995, they sanctioned the program and I was the club coach. So Elaine came to me and I think I was I always say this. I was young and cheap and not many people knew much about soccer in Utah. So uh, (laughs) since I've been doing a lot of things there with the club team, they they let me give it a shot. Um, And uh, yeah, I had. Great help certainly along the way uh, with Chris Watkins uh, and Alicia Rose who were uh, a part of my staff for most of those wins. Um, and then I have an amazing staff right now uh, that's been a big part of it that has really kind of rejuvenated my love for coaching and, um, and doing what I do. And I've had a blast doing it these last few years. And, and certainly just the amazing young women that have come through the program, um, thinking back on a lot of those memories and getting some texts from a lot of those alumni has been extremely fun, a little overwhelming, For sure, because I I just feel like I'm just still a kid kind of bouncing around BYU, caught in the time warp. Um, But, uh, you know, again, just trying to do my best.
4: (laughs) Coach,
0: your BYU women's soccer team is one of a handful of very high-performing teams on campus right now. Your team ranked number 14. Uh, Those rankings could change today or tomorrow, depending on what comes out in the latest polls. BYU women's volleyball ranked, track and field, cross-country, gymnastics, all top 20 if not top 15 teams how would you explain the the current state of women's athletics at byu right now and why they're performing at such a high level
5: yeah i I think we're just we're in great shape right now i think all of us have been kind of cooped up a little bit over the last year uh, as well as the athletes um uh, but we've got great leadership from above that has allowed us to do what we need to do to stay motivated and to stay out on our practice fields uh and stay competing um you guys know Carolyn well as our trainer, she's been making it possible to maneuver through all of this COVID and all the people that have been involved and in allowing us to, to still train through the pandemic and get us ready to where we compete. As you guys know, you know football played more games, I think than anyone. I think all of us have been competing and then so we have what we need to be successful. We have tremendous athletes. Um, who are striving to be their very best. And we've got some of the greatest coaches around, some of the greatest administrators, and all together, um, you know, it's a full package at BYU, both on and off the field. And we all, I think, just really feel fortunate to be doing what we do right now in this time and enjoying it day by day.
1: And I love the fact that the, the administration's t- totally top-notch with, with, hey, we need to have women's sports and have great women's sports, right? We need to invest in our coaches yeah. and our facilities and our players. And Spencer and I have daughters, and we're constantly pointing at like, "Hey, you can be like Michaela Coolhand. You can be like <laughs> Shaili Gonzalez, right? These awesome athletes." Can you can you tell us more about like the BYU women uh, woman athlete and the kind of person that she is, and the role model that they are for little girls like our daughters?
5: Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. That's something that we we are looking for when we recruit these outstanding young women to come is is kind of overachievers. Uh, you know, just kind of an all-around person, not just a great um, athlete. Um, obviously, you have to be a premier elite athlete to play at the level in any sport here at BYU or even Division One in general. And a lot of uh, the way to get there is drive, determination, um, focus, goal-oriented, um, you know, just driven and competitive in all of those good ways, but yet humble enough to learn and to be coached. Uh, and to take advantage of the situations that you're in. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. I'm sure everybody has their own unique story of how they ended up here at BYU. But ultimately, we're all working to be our best each and every day. Um, And um, knowing that we have control and we have choices that we can make that can, can lead us to where we want to be, that there are big dreams out there that can be reached, and there's many that have come before us, uh, that have allowed for those opportunities to happen and we need to take full advantage of what we have and not waste any time getting it done so let's get it done let's win some games win some championships get a great degree meet some great people um, and be a, a role model to all those and, and show them what we have to offer and it's a great thing and, and we have so many opportunities and so many reasons to be blessed and thankful for what we're going on what we got going on here so i uh, just excited about everything.
0: BYU Women's Soccer Head Coach Jen Rockwood with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, I don't know how many job offers you've turned down over the 25 years, potential huge money raises, but I do want to know why you chose to stay at BYU and continue to lead this program when certainly you had some other doors you could have walked through.
5: Um, Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think every coach here at BYU uh, certainly has uh, opportunities other places, but I think a lot of us are here because of what BYU represents um, I know growing up, uh, wanting to be at BYU, and um, actually wanted to play basketball at BYU, but I wasn't good enough, so uh, I was a little better at that soccer. That makes three of us. But I think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want to play basketball at BYU, right? Uh, now I'm hoping the girls want to come and play soccer at BYU, so ch- changing that a, a little <laughs> bit more. But, um, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, I love my experience here at BYU. I, I think most importantly, the people that I get to work around each and every day, you know, guys like you, um, and uh, my staff, and, and certainly for the most important thing is the type of athletes that I get to recruit and surround myself with each and every day. I learn from them probably a lot more than they ever learned from me. you think I'd be smarter than I am with all these great kids around me, so that I'm trying, trying my best. Um, but I just love it. I, I love for what we stand for, what we try and represent. Um, I have all, all the things and all the tools that I need to be successful here, so no reason to want to go anywhere else. Um, yeah, I've just grown to, to love it here. and. And uh, I've never really ever wanted to coach anywhere else. I I knew that if I was going to stop coaching, or if I wasn't coaching at BYU, it wasn't because I was coaching somewhere else. It was just because I was going to maybe move on with some other things. But really enjoyed these past few years. I might have another year or two in me, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, hopefully many more. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, congratulations on 400 wins great commentary on what uh, you know uh, women's sports mean to BYU and what what they do and uh, good luck against Santa Clara Saturday that's a that's a big game
5: thanks yeah they just took the tarp off the field it's as green as can be and we are so excited to get back on Southfield
1: okay thanks Jen go kooks Go no Cokes, indeed. That's Jennifer Rockwood on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Desert First, you know why, we show how. Big one Saturday, Spence, 3 Eastern on BYU TV. We're going to have women's soccer and women's volleyball at the same time right next to each other.
0: Ranked matchup, a couple of top 25 teams, and as it so often does, probably will determine the West Coast Conference Championship. That's
2: exactly right. The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of
1: BYU Sports Nation. Okay, BYU vs. Pepperdine prop picks presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley, what's up? We'll start with number one. How many three-point shots will BYU make in
0: the first half? Five. I think five. Okay, I'm going with four, Jerem. Again, it's closest to the number.
1: Okay. Okay. That
2: means if it's six, Jerem wins. If it's three, it's you, Spencer. Just so we're clear on that. Correct. All right. Number two. Which player, both teams included, is the first to get to ten points?
1: Uh, Kessel Edwards. I think he'll jack up more. And they have okay. a couple of dudes that are the guys. BYU has ten dudes that could be the guys.
0: Yeah, I feel the same about Pepperdine being the first to reach 10, Jaron, because of that dynamic. Colby Ross, however, I think will get to the free-throw line because that's what he does. He creates a lot of fouls, makes some free throws, so he'll get a three or two to go, and I think he's the first to 10 points.
2: All right, last one. In the first game against Pepperdine, Caleb Bloner had zero points. In game two, he had 11. How many
0: points will he have in game three? Nine. Nine. I'm giving Caleb Lohner at least double figures, so I'm going to go 10 or more for Caleb Lohner.
1: Yeah, certainly very well could. Who knows? Maybe he'll have 20. Okay, time for our prop picks. Recapping last night with the Pepperdine BYU game in the men's side and Gonzaga picks for tonight. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com.
0: All right, our first question, Jeremy, was how many three-point shots – Will BYU collectively make in the first half? You went with five, I had four. BYU had four three-pointers exactly in the first half, so I take the first point.
1: I don't want to name names, but Connor Harding missed two wide open corner threes. Uh, Number two, (laughs) which player both teams will be the first to get to 10 points? I said Kessler Edwards, you said Colby Ross. Kessler Edwards scored the 11th point, the 10-11 mark of the first half, we're all tied up for one.
0: All right, on to the third one now. How many points will Caleb Lohner score? This one was really entertaining coming down the stretch. (laughs) You said nine, I said ten, and for like the last eight minutes and all of overtime, Caleb Lohner was stuck right on nine points and it didn't move, so you take the point.
1: Caleb got my text. That's great. Okay, let's bring in Ben Bagley and get our picks for tonight's championship edition of Prop Picks against Gonzaga. All
2: right, we'll start here. How many points will BYU score in the first five minutes of the men's game?
1: Real compelling stuff here. Uh, I say eight. I think BYU will be a little bit better than they have been the first few minutes, but not much better.
0: Yeah, amazingly, Jerem, eight points would be better than what they've done against Gonzaga early in the game's I'm going to be ultra-optimistic and go one above you. So, hey, n- nine points or more. Ultra-optimistic. Nine optimistic. points or more for BYU in the in the first five minutes against Gonzaga.
2: All right, number two. Which BYU Cougar men or women's team will score the most points against Gonzaga?
1: Shayla Gonzalez is my pick, co-conference player of the year. She's a baller. Struggled initially, and in yesterday's game didn't matter for BYU. But I think in this one, She's got to she's got to dominate the Trung twins um, and and be really effective for BYU. That was the key to winning in Provo was Shaylee's play.
0: If you hadn't have picked Shaylee Gonzalez, then I, I would have gone with that because I think that her second game is going to be much better than her first game here after a little bit of rust. But I'm going to go on the men's side. Again, this is, this is kind of a risky pick because the men's Gonzaga are so good. But Alex Barcelo had a nice game against the Zags in Provo. So I hope that he continues that here in Las Vegas and he can go for, you know, 18 or 20.
2: Last one. Which Cougar scores the
1: first points for BYU in the second half? Matty Hams, and there will be free throws.
0: Well, I need Alex Barcelo to score as many points as possible just because of what I picked, so I'm going to go with Alex Barcelo. I hope he scores the first bucket out of the halftime break.
1: Gonzaga prop pick recap. I went into the night with a 2-1 lead. Let's go through the three last night. Number one, how many points have you always scored in the first five minutes? You already had nine points five minutes in, which is exactly what Spencer said. Point, Spencer! It's (laughs) 2-2.
0: All right, Jerem, which BYU Cougar men's or women's will score the most points against Gonzaga yesterday? Neither of us had Trevin Nell, so we both lose. You had Shaley Gonzalez. She had 13 Ida. Alex Barcelo, he went for 15. So close, but no point awarded.
1: Okay, it comes down to the final one here. Which Cougar scores the first points for BYU in the second half? I said Matt Harms, um, and I said it would be free throws, but I missed on the free throw part. But it was Matt Harms, so I win 3-2. to two. You'll spin the wheel on Friday. And put your shoulder to it.
0: Looking forward to looking forward to that, man. Yeah, it's been a sec. I don't it's gonna lose. be great.
1: I don't lose often, but when I do, <laughs> it's uh, to
2: Jason. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: Okay, well, every week we're chatting with Zach Wilson on his path to the draft. So I, I talk to him about what's non-negotiable in terms of habits every day, what he thinks of Chris Simms' comments about him being the number one uh, quarterback in the draft and some space with Trevor Lawrence and the origin of his middle name, Kapono, and his heritage there in Hawaii. Here's my conversation with Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Zach, let's continue to get to know you a little bit better. Your middle name's Capono. Kapono. Uh, your dad has some uh, Polynesian heritage and uh, grew up in Hawaii, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah, we uh, have been eating Spam eggs and rice since day one. So.
1: <laughs> what does that meant to you to have uh, kind of a multicultural house and get to know that side of it? Because I think some people last year when you were on the you know, Polynesian watch list were like, Zach Wilson's Polynesian?
6: Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't look like it. You know, my dad was born and raised there and uh, we still got my grandma back there and we visit all the time, especially on my, uh, my, uh, my aunt, my dad's sister's side of the family, you know, they're all about the Hawaiian heritage and, um, you know, we are too, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, but, you know, we've grown up and, and love the Hawaiian lifestyle and, being and, a you know, part of that whole thing. So that's cool. It's cool. It's been a great part of our, our family and, and everyone in our family has Hawaiian middle names, which is cool.
1: Yours is Capono. Does that have a meaning? Is that a a named after somebody?
6: Yeah. It means righteous. I'm not sure where it came from, but I know it, it means righteous. I'm not sure where my parents came up with it, but that's a cool one. Yeah,
1: that is cool. I like that. Okay. uh, What's the last week been like for you as we get closer to the NFL draft?
6: Yeah, this last week, you know, we've been training, uh, starting to talk about plans for, for May, June and July, you know, you know, what April is going to be like, I'm heading back next week, Tuesday, I am going to be training, uh, you know, with Stroformans most likely, um, up until, you know, pro day after pro day, all of April, up until the draft, I'll be in Utah, uh, working with those guys, throwing up some of my guys out there, maybe making a couple of trips back out here. And, um, we'll have a good little, uh, maybe golf golfing trip and then fishing trip with Michael Pittman for his YouTube channel eventually. So <laughs> that'll be fun.
1: So, I, I think he's on the Colts, right? And uh, he played at USC and BYU beat USC in 2019. So, I imagine that game gets brought up with him.
6: Yeah, no doubt. But he was, you know, the way he approached it is just kind of, it's kind of messed up. You know, he, he told me he was like, um, oh, yeah, like, you know, going into that game, you know, we, we didn't even care. Like, he was like, we were looking for the next opponent next week. Like, it was just like, oh, like BYU, like, whatever. Like that sucks, you know, because we end up beating you guys. So, <laughs> it kind of backfired. You guys approached the game that way.
1: That's a classic Power Five tale, Zach. Like, so such and such team lost this big bowl game. Well, we wanted to play for the in the playoff, and we didn't. And that's garbage. You lost the game. Come on, man. And that was that was a great game. The USC game is that among the games that you cherish the most? Because because that was a packed house and SkyCam and ABC and like overtime that. That's got to be one of the better wins BYU's had the last couple of years. Where does that fit for your favorite wins?
6: Yeah, definitely a top two. I would say uh, that was that was fun. I would say we had a the USC Tennessee wins that year just because of the you know I'd say the atmosphere, the fans, everyone everyone being there was was so cool uh, to upset those guys. You know, especially at home, uh, you know, not many guys can say they beat USC, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Can you still
1: believe you guys beat Tennessee? Because when I go back and I watch you release the pass, and there's like 11 seconds left, and you're standing at like the 19 yard line, I thought this is a miracle—literally a miracle—that that BYU pulled this out.
6: Yeah, no, no doubt. Like the like, we definitely should have lost that game. Like really going back, you know, Tennessee really screwed that one up. You know, we we did a great job there at the end, but that was really on them, and they screwed that one up.
1: Yeah, in front of that massive crowd in the stadium and the checkered uh you know end zone, it was it was awesome. Okay, uh Chris Sims uh is a big fan of yours. I don't know if you saw this, I imagine you did. Did you?
4: I, I mean I get
6: tagged in a lot of stuff. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> So Chris Sims is on the Zach Wilson hype train. He said, You're the best prospect. Uh he really broke you down effectively. I, I thought he he was very interesting with it. He even broke you down physically what he liked. Um, and, and he also said there's a little bit of space between you and Trevor Lawrence which was somewhat surprising because everyone kind of looks at Trevor one and then there's battle for number two and your name's uh, clearly in there with with justin fields and and everybody else so um, what did you think of that um, as the pendulum swings for some to hey Zach's the number one pick
6: yeah it's interesting right everybody has their their own outlooks and you know there's there's some takes where I'm you know, the sixth best quarterback or the fifth and then the second and then the first, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their own opinion. It really only comes down to the team that's drafting it really comes down to what they think. Um, and we really won't know what that is until, until the draft comes. And so, you know, everyone can say, you know, whatever they want, you know, everyone's great. Every quarterback's great in their own way. It depends what that team is looking for. So it's cool to, you know, maybe see some of that stuff here and there, but, you know, you really don't buy into it much because, you know, really the team that's picking is the only one that matters, so we'll see come draft day.
1: That's true. It just takes one to really love you, right? Um, do you want to be the number one pick? Do you
6: care? I mean, yeah, of course, right? I mean, who doesn't, you know, want to be the number one pick, you know, to be able to say that you are the number one overall pick in a draft, uh, you know, that, I mean, that's a dream come true. That's more than a dream come true for a lot of people. Uh, most people just, you know, want a chance to get drafted. To be the number one is, is something special, so uh, you know that's obviously a goal, but you know it's going to be a tough one to achieve
1: What are some of the uh, skills or attributes that you feel like you bring to the table, whether it be the film that you have, the things that you can do or the or the things you know mentally, that can combat the bias against non power five quarterbacks?
6: Yeah, I feel like uh you know when you watch my game, the ability to make plays outside the pocket and um, you know create something out of nothing. I feel like I have an act for being able to, you know, think outside the box, make throws that guys aren't expecting. You know, I used to tell my secrets in practice, you know, Hey, you're a runoff on this route. You know, we're technically not supposed to look at you on this route, but like, be ready. Like I could throw it to you. You never know. Um, so there's like, you know, little things here and there. And I would say the power five competition, I think, you know, Chris Sims actually hit it right on the head is, is, you know, the talent that we're playing with is the same as the talent we're playing against. Uh, you know, it goes the same ways. Alabama and the and the guys that those guys are surrounded by, you know, the receivers, the defense, O linemen that they have. Uh, so I think it really just levels it, levels itself out. I really don't think competition matters in, in that aspect because you know you're you're playing against the same competition as you have, and so I think uh, I think it all works itself out. You know, there's so many successful quarterbacks that have played against bad competition, and there's so many successful quarterbacks that have played against the best competition. So I really don't think it matters.
1: And that's great because a long time ago, and frankly, even a couple of years ago, it was like, okay, if you're not 6'5 and 225, you can't be a whatever. That's not a thing, right? And last week we talked about like your weight is discussed. Like, you're not a guy that's 190, even though you might look like it sometimes. Like You're at 215, 220, and that's where you want to be. So when you look at the opportunity ahead of you in last season, at what point, Zach, were you like, oh, I'm making a lot of these throws and making kind of a leap. And and we've talked about how that leap was like, whoa, bigger than, and, than we thought, right? But at what point were you like, oh, like all this stuff I practiced with John and Tom House's guys, like it's working.
6: I mean, that's what's so fun about the game, right, is, is you put in uh, so many more hours outside of the actual game than you do in the game. And so when you, when you spend so much time on one thing and then you, you try and apply it and it actually works – uh, I think that's where it's so exciting. And so, you know, I was able to feel a lot of that. You know, I would go into games, and, and to be honest, sometimes I would look forward to maybe one of my old linemen getting beat, so I would have to slide left and, and make an off balance throw. You know, I kind of look forward to being able to throw that way uh, rather than just standing in the pocket. And so I just think it makes the game fun when you when you're able to do that kind of stuff.
1: Did not having a crowd affect you in any way positively in this in that regard? Where you're like, okay, I can just focus on like the game itself, or or I, obviously everyone missed the fans. But was there anything that changed uh, the game for you in, in that regard with no fans this year?
6: Yeah, I think it. I helped some things, and then and then made other things harder. You know, I would say it definitely helped with communication, the ability to you know relay things out on the field. I would say stress level levels were a little bit lower for everybody on the field on both sides uh you know people weren't getting as antsy for games and they were able to stay calm but i would also say her energy i feel like both both sides of the ball had uh energy levels because our, ener- our energy was low because there was no crowd you know they're hyping you up it almost felt like it was a practice and so uh there was there's plus and negatives to both and um, honestly i feel like you know for me having fans definitely makes the game more fun and just makes it you know, way more exciting. Uh, you know, when you go and score that that game-winning touchdown or whatever it is, it just makes it more fun.
1: Yeah, and we're certainly looking forward to that this fall. We're talking with Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Give us a sense of what kind of film study you were able to do with BYU in those twenty hours on your own, and then what you're being taught now in terms of what it's like as an NFL quarterback with film study.
6: Yeah, it was interesting. You know, when I was uh, in college, I was really watching more of the player rather than, you know, exactly what was going on. You know, there were some, or sometimes I'd be going through it. And I'm like, Ooh, like this play is super cool. You know, this would fit our offense, you know, maybe I'd screen record it and shoot it over to A-Rod and, and, you know, maybe discuss back and forth with him. But really, you know, I was watching, you know, how these guys uh, did their drops for certain concepts, how they, you know, moved in the pocket, whether it was small movements, big movements, how they were able to you know make throws with guys in their face or, ball placement or, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, there's so much that goes into the details uh, of being an NFL quarterback. So I really watched a lot of that stuff. And now uh, working with John and these other QBs, you know, we're diving way more into the scheme, uh, what the defense are doing, uh, being able to pick up disguises, what concepts work against certain plays, how coaches are going to call them, you know, your triangle reads, uh, timing with your footwork, you know, so we're looking more at the schematics of, of, the plays and all that stuff. Now, when before I was just looking to see how those guys played the game uh, from a reaction standpoint.
1: Do you love that? Do you love being able to do this as your job right now?
6: I do. Right. I mean, there's, it, there's not a better job in the world for sure.
1: I like my job too. Although yours is going to pay a little more than mine. <laughs> a
6: close second.
1: Yeah. Close second. It's very similar. Signing most is very similar. Uh, depending what division you're in Uh, let's talk about uh, the influences on your game you you mentioned some of the quarterbacks but in in terms of like a band like you talk to a band they're like oh we were influenced by this band this band and this band who are the influences on your game in terms of people
6: yeah no doubt I mean someone that I haven't talked to since till this last year you know until I got into this whole draft stuff because we have the same agent and stuff but you know, somebody that had such an effect on my game that, you know, didn't even know it was Joe Burrow. And I, I, I was so um, in love with their 2019 season, the way that they played the game, the way that they did everything, uh, the connection he had with his receivers, you know, how he was able to take easy things, but then, you know, took shots down the field and, you know, he absolutely, you know, killed it that year having 60 touchdowns or whatever it was, you know, he, he had such an amazing year. And I, I watched that season so many times. And just kept thinking, how can I apply this to my game? And the things that he's doing, and the way he's smart with the ball, but also aggressive. And um, so I learned so much from that season of the LSU team that won that national championship. It was awesome.
1: And it sounds like you've talked to him since then.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we communicated back and forth. I actually was able to reach out to him uh, not that long ago uh, when I was picking an agent, and, and he had great things to say. And you know, now we have the same exact agent, so it's cool that we're we are able to you know, get on that same level, but then also, um, you know, him coming out here and he's going to probably work with, with three QB guys, maybe eventually, maybe not this year, maybe the next, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask him, Hey, what was your schedule like last year with COVID? You know, how are, how are you learning the offense? How was this? How was that? You know, he checked in and asked how, how training was going. So he's a super cool dude. Um, as far as that stuff goes
1: yeah that's awesome. That's fantastic and uh weird to think that you're only like a year behind him in this in this process right of of getting into the n f l we did uh get a fan question for you this week, which is exciting. Aaron Bagley wants to know do you have a any daily non negotiable habits that helped you succeed? If so, what are they
6: yeah, waking up early is definitely one one that was you know hard is uh putting your phone away. Uh, I still struggle with that now, right but being able to wake up in the morning uh, a lot of the time I try and leave my phone downstairs when I go to sleep uh, but waking up and going to bed without a phone and just actually being able to put your head on the pillow and go to sleep and not plan a phone, not watch t v that's i mean I feel like that 's one of the best habits ever uh to just be able to get out of bed in the morning uh bright and early, so like naturally, I wake up right now at about six in the morning uh, because of our workouts and all that kind of thing that we have going on.
1: Do you have a? Uh, you said naturally. Do you just wake up, or do you have an alarm clock?
6: Well, I set an alarm, right, just in case. But you know, you know, on the weekends and when you're not trying to wake up early, your body will just starting to naturally wake you up at, at around six because you, you know, you created that that ability to just start waking up early.
1: That's great attribute i've not I've not met an unsuccessful person you know waking up early constantly you know so it breeds success yeah I, I love that um Aaron followed up with this what advice would you have for someone who wants to master their craft
6: yeah continuously working it you know not not always working your strengths but working your weaknesses like you know stuff for me was you know maybe my footwork and, and making sure that stuff was all dialed up or um, you know, with shoulder surgery, I struggled in the physical aspects a lot. And I would just say, work the things that, you know, you're struggling and improve to make the things you really get at better. Um, don't just, you know, be comfortable, be able to, you know, go outside the box and work things that, you know, you struggle with, um, and find those things. But really it's just how many hours of practice that you put in. And, and then I always ask myself this question is, is what am I doing that I maybe know other people aren't doing, you know, what's different. Um, what's something that I can use to separate myself from other people.
1: What's one of those things in your mind that you're doing?
6: Yeah. I mean, one of those things, uh, especially when I was in college, was film study. I felt like that was something that, you know, I'm sure other guys were doing, you know, NFL tape and film study, but that was something I definitely took pride in. I I made sure that every single day I was watching something. uh, And then I would even, you know, I would watch random things. I would watch, you know, random quarterbacks that maybe struggled in the NFL or struggled in college. And I wanted to know why I wanted to know why they were struggling and then I'd watch the best and what, what the differences were. So I would just watch random things all the time to try and just learn everything, not just always watching the best.
1: Well, great stuff, Zach. It's been fun to get to know you each week. We're going to continue to do this to the draft and beyond the draft. So uh, good luck with your workouts and we'll see you in town next week.
6: Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: That was Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Uh, Gets up early. uh, Knows Joe Burrow now. Uh, things, yeah, he works super hard. I really like that about him.
0: I love that he studied quarterbacks that struggled in the NFL and to know why they struggle. It's People not don't just, really do that. It's yeah. not just reviewing the best, but so he's he's kind of attacking this from all angles, which is impressive.
1: Yeah, like he did the opposing defense this year, absolutely. The best of BYU Sports
2: Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
1: Time for Top 5 Tuesday because it's Tuesday. We have five plays. Presented by Delta Airlines. If BYU wins tonight, they find themselves on this list. Let's look at the biggest upsets
0: in Cougar Hoops history. Number five, Jerem, back in 1992. BYU upsets number nine, Oklahoma, in the Maui Invitational. 76-75 Cougars trailed by four with under 20 seconds but a Shane Knight three made it a one point game and then well Knight steals the ball Kevin Nixon after an initial miss by Sanderson makes the shot from inside the free throw line and the Cougars celebrate like crazy Kevin
1: Nixon a big game a buzzer beater crazy number four 1998, 9-21, BYU beats number 16, New Mexico, 83-62. Snapping a 41-game home win streak for the Lobos. This was BYU in the black jerseys, by the way. First time I think they ever wore those. Lobos were 21-4, ranked. BYU had won one game the year before. Ended up winning nine games this year. This was unbelievable.
0: At number three, 2015. The Jerem shaves his head game. BYU goes on the road, upsets Gonzaga, 73-70. They were 29-1 going into that senior night. Kyle Collinsworth, 20 points. He put the Cougars up five with 17 seconds left. This literally put BYU in the NCAA tournament, this win on the regular season finale. And
1: gave me less uh, more win resistance, question mark. Number two, BYU's only trip to the Elite Eight happened in 1981. Six-seed BYU upsets two-seed Notre Dame. Danny Ainge, of course, the shot. BYU beat three-seed UCLA as well before that by 23 five days earlier. Danny Ainge had 12 points in the game. Doesn't seem like a lot, right? But it was only 51-50, of course, over Orlando Woolridge. And BYU gets to the Elite
0: Eight. Well, what's going to beat that? How about 2017 BYU upsets number one-ranked Gonzaga? They were undefeated, 29-0 going into this game. The Cougars unranked. And huge underdogs win 79-71 in Spokane. Eric Mika had a huge game, 29 points. T.J. Haas added 17. BYU was down 18-2 to to start in this game, and they found a way to do it again in Spokane.
1: Those are the top five upsets in Cougar basketball history. 2020 probably should have been, maybe it was barely off. The best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: We'll be right back. Rise and shout. For the trending topics of the week, here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: All right, Gonzaga beats BYU in both men and the women. Let's talk about the men. 88-78 in the men's title game. It was a wild one. The Cougars had an amazing first half. Unbelievably awesome in the first half, shooting 68%. BYU went up by as many as 14. Then Gonzaga scored, outscored BYU by 24 in the last 21 minutes. Spencer, how do you best sum up your feelings about last night's game?
0: I'm bummed, Jerem, that BYU couldn't hold on and pull off what would have maybe been the greatest upset in BYU basketball history. We did the top five yesterday, a win over this Gonzaga team in a conference tournament format in Vegas where BYU hasn't won a conference tournament championship in 20 years. That might have vaulted that game right to the top. This is an all-time Gonzaga team. All of that said, Jerem, I'm overall really impressed with how BYU played And I feel like this is as good a scenario that BYU could have possibly hoped for outside of actually beating Gonzaga. The Cougars accomplished what they really needed to to pass the eye test of the tournament selection committee, solidify themselves, in my opinion, to at least a seven seed in the approaching NCAA tournament. And they, they had a captive audience. There was nothing else big time going on last night Other than Gonzaga and BYU, it kind of captivated the nation. And and with the way BYU played in the first half, everyone's like, oh, you watch this Gonzaga might go down. Get to ESPN right now. Let's watch the game. It was a three-point game with two and a half minutes to play. Are you kidding me? I know it finished in a 10-point Gonzaga win, but the Zags got punched for the first time. And so even in a loss, I feel like BYU elevated their status, and that's hard to do unless you do something like BYU did last night. So, yeah, bummed for the guys that they couldn't hoist the trophy and and, uh, pull an all-time win. But overall, feeling pretty good about what BYU did to raise their program stock ahead of Selection Sunday.
1: I feel like Gonzaga was like Thanos in uh, Endgame and Iron Man and Captain America. It's been like two years. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, Iron Man and, and Captain America and Thor are going at him, and they finally you know get him to like bleed. And Thanos says all that for a drop of blood. Like that was Gonzaga last night, <sighs> where BYU's up fourteen, feeling good, right? And then uh, Jalen Suggs makes back to back threes and 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 breaks the uh, camel's back there at the very end. So yes, I I'm not disappointed in any way, shape, or form. Here's why. I expected Gonzaga to win that game even when BYU was up 14. Did I think, oh, maybe this could happen? Yes, but I'm proud of what BYU did because, like you said, BYU helped itself in the bracket. Cougars are not going to be an 8-9 at this point, I don't think. If they are, that's just garbage. Because BYU is top 25-ish. In fact, Mark Few had this to say after the game about the Cougars.
4: I hope that everybody took notice uh, just how good this BYU team is. Okay. I mean, they have rim protection and harms. They have shooters on the perimeter uh, that are really, really starting to, to shoot the ball well and play better. They got excellent ball screen uh, uh, readers and, and decision makers, being Barcelo and Everett. Uh, and uh, I mean, that, that's a very, very, very good basketball team.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. BYU's a very good team. BYU's top 25 ish. May sneak in next week going into the tourney. Seth Davis tweeted the following, Impressive comeback for the Zags. BYU's a really good team and gave them their best shot. So psyched for this tournament. If is top 25-ish, they should be a 6th seed. They should, and no worse than a seven. You avoid the 8-9 because what last night was, Cougar fans understand this, was like a second-round game with a, with a 1 seed. Granted, that was the best 1 seed that there is. Gonzaga is one of like a handful of undefeated teams. In NCAA history, to finish the regular season undefeated, and and BYU led Sports Center. It was really Gonzaga leading Sports Center, but BYU part of that was credited. The w- best thing I saw from Scott Van Pelt was Jill Townsend, by the way. So BYU women as well uh, showcased there, albeit in a loss, unfortunately. But it was the perfect scenario in a non-win. If if BYU couldn't win the game, that was as good as it could be. Where BYU really put some pressure on, put it on late, looked impressive. BYU's a top twenty-five-ish team. And BYU's not as good as last year's team, but they're pretty close.
0: Yeah, and can I just point out something from Mark Few's commentary? One, I really appreciate what he does to promote the conference, and specifically BYU, and I know that he and Mark Pope are very close. But he uses the names of individuals on opposing teams. How about that? Isn't that a novel concept from a high-level coach? I'll leave that there, but uh, just really impressed with – Gonzaga in person is, you know, I, I thought that they were really good on TV. Man, they're they they, they they're unfazed. You're down 14 in the conference tournament championship. And like you said, Jeremy we all kind of felt like, all right, when is the massive run going to come? And, and they had a couple of them. BYU was able to stave off one of them. Uh, When it got to uh, a tie game early in the second half, BYU went back up nine, but they couldn't avoid the second wave. Just really impressed uh, with both teams, how they handled themselves last night. I would love for BYU to be a six seed. I feel like they deserve that, but knowing what happens typically in the NCAA tournament, the Cougars usually drop down a seed line lower than we think that they deserve. So, But, I mean, even a seven seed. Even a seven seed. Just avoid a one seed potentially in the second round. And BYU has a legitimate shot to get to the second weekend, which would be incredible. It's only happened twice before. So just maybe, just maybe Mark Pope has enough magic with this team and enough fire after what they did against Gonzaga and confidence that they can win a game or two in the NCAA tournament and get to a third-ever Sweet 16 for BYU.
1: Now it's about matchups. It really is. Selection Sunday in the afternoon. We're going to find out where BYU is going not where, but who they're matched up with. We know they're going to Indianapolis, which is the good news. BYU will continue its COVID testing to travel with the team, and that includes the staff, and they'll you know, buckle down on who actually gets to go. You have to have seg- seven negative tests, and BYU will have started that on Sunday a couple days ago. So in addition to the testing they were doing in Vegas. So we look forward to... Who BYU matches up with, what seed they'll be. And honestly, the seed is not as important as who BYU is playing and how that matchup happens. The only thing I want BYU to avoid is a team that pressures high on the perimeter because that's what Gonzaga did in the second half that changed the game. They really d- disrupted BYU's flow by pushing BYU out high. Cougars weren't getting to the lane. BYU wasn't uh, into the lane. BYU wasn't penetrating and kicking for threes. Trevinell, Nell, by the way, what a game from him. He was awesome. But Mark View is right. This is a top 25-ish team that can do some damage in the tourney. By damage, we mean win a game and press for a second game, perhaps win a second game. That would be incredible. I love the way BYU is playing right now. I love how they played last night against the best team in the country. Think about it. If BYU plays like the sixth best team in the country last night, do they win the game playing that way? Like (laughs) BYU played really stinking well. Ended up shooting 46%. That second half was brutal, 28% uh, overall, 2 of 15 from 3. But BYU's first half was 68% from the field, 69% from 3. And then, uh, you know, it, and like you said, BYU quelled the first wave, up 9 with 9 to go. And then it's uh, it's like between, you know, 3-point advantage for either team until Jalen Suggs uh, finally said, hey, I'm the best player on the court here. And really showed up yeah. in, in BYU. Bowie lost the game, but really proud of that effort, honestly. Like, I was totally wrong. I, I thought yesterday, like, ah, I don't think it's going to be close, whatever. Gonzaga wins by 10, but that was an impressive performance. Like, Bowie should be proud of how they played. Mark Few sounds really depressed in that because he was all in on, we got to figure out how to win, and they didn't. But listen, in a week, Bowie's going to forget it, and they're going to be focused on somebody else next Saturday in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, and Coach Pope, understandably you know he wa- he wants to win he's all in that team should be bummed because they they tasted just maybe what that might be like to pull off an all-time win but Jared, look at the metrics i mean byu lost and held steady in most metrics Other than that strange KPI, I mean, they drop one spot in net, but all of the metrics are where they need to be. BYU finishes the season with zero bad losses, no quad three or quad four losses, and they're 20-6 and overall. 20 wins in this COVID-impacted season, only six losses, is an unbelievable, unbelievable accomplishment for this team. Given what they lost last year, this is – I mean, it's been – It's been a magical ride. In the moment, disappointing for Mark Pope and the guys, but overall, they have earned every bit of this, hopefully six seed, probably a seven seed.
1: What good are these metrics if they don't indicate what seed BYU could be? Because if you look at these, 20, 23, 29, 12, 20, 23, that screams five or six seed. Why is a five not being discussed with BYU? What's the point of these? Um, if and the quad wins BYU three and four BYU played Gonzaga tough two of the top three toughest games by margin seven seed for Lenardi eight for Palm eight what the Athletics seven Bracken Matrix six point eight two this is happening again where if BYU is twenty in net that's a five if BYU is twenty three in in Kinpum, that's the last five like twenty nine that's a six right um, like what or a seven. Why isn't BYU really in consideration for a six? It, I, BYU doesn't get as many quad one opportunities, right? BYU played seven, that's enough. BYU won three, that's enough. Um, I, I don't get why BYU is not a serious contender for a six. I hope the committee evaluates BYU in a way that rewards the Cougars for a tough conference schedule. Strength of records twenty. Come on, COVID. BYU went back east, played a game on one day's notice against Saint John's, won that. Duh, duh, duh. Like. Boise State, Utah State, San Diego State, Gonzaga thrice. Come on, man.
0: Six. Hey, Jeremy, I I would love for BYU to get on that six-seed line because, as we pointed out, they were the six-seed back in 1981 when they made that magical run. And it appears that every 10 years, BYU does something kind of special. 81, got to the Elite Eight. 91, great team. 2001, won the Conference Tournament Championship for the last time. 2011. Was Jimmermania. So what does 2021 hold? Let's go.
1: We might call this special regardless of what happens because of a pandemic, because of losing all those seniors. So,
0: We are back from Las Vegas, thankfully. As Jeremy has joked a few times, I just about started to receive mail down yeah, there.
1: Yeah, set up a P.O. box, but then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going home.
0: But not only are we back, Jerem, but bring in some good mojo with the BYU men's basketball program based on what they did against Gonzaga. I know, they didn't win. Hung a banner, though. But we did hang a banner for yeah. leading Gonzaga for about three like, minutes. like 30 minutes. Like 30 minutes. Jerem, following the championship tournament at the West Coast Conference in Vegas, how have your expectations changed for BYU's potential run in the NCAA tournament?
1: Well, we hope it's a run because if you lose, that ain't no run. That was just uh, going outside and walking back in your house. But I do think that BYU is going to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I hope that BYU challenges for a second game. That's uh, that's the hope. BYU has it all, right? Uh, Mark Few said it. BYU's got rim protection. They've got shooters. They've got uh, you know penetrators off the dribble. They've got one of the top defenses in the country. Rebounding, I. I really like BYU's chances here. Now, last year's team had the three-point shooting. BYU is getting better at the threes. Trevin Nell playing well at the end of the season. Caleb Bloner, although he didn't score in that game, has been playing really well at the end of the season. Of course, Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averitt and company. Spencer Johnson, right? I, I like where BYU's at. I, I'm excited about it. It didn't tell me anything new. It just kind of reinforced the idea of, hey, BYU can hang with anyone. If BYU can hang with Gonzaga, who else can BYU hang with? Should they play a great game uh, or half like that. So uh, I'm excited about it. BYU's top 25 good right now. That much is obvious. Mark Fuse said it, right, Uh, about this is a top 25-ish team. The only team that has really given BYU trouble is the type of team like uh, USC and Boise State and now Gonzaga, of course, three times, that gives BYU trouble on the perimeter with extended pressure stunts BYU's ability to get into its offense, which is dribble handoff.
0: Well, and Pepperdine did that against BYU as well.
1: Yes, and uh, good for Pepperdine, right? That was their Super Bowl a couple times. They won the one. BYU won uh, you know, two of those three, took to, to uh, overtime. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think I expect BYU to win a, a game, and that's going to be chalk because is going to be a higher seed than it's playing in the opening game. And BYU's been awfully chalky in NCAA history. So hopefully it's chalk, and then BYU can... Undo historical trends, mm-hmm. which is, okay, we're not the favorite, but we're going to upset a team here.
0: One of the two times that BYU went to the Sweet 16, they were a 6-seed that upset a 3-seed. Always has good gone to have against three, a trend.
1: three uh, tenured NBA players in the starting lineup. <laughs> uh, BYU does not have that this year, like Danny Ainge and Greg Kite and Fred Roberts.
0: It's difficult for me to know what my expectations are because we don't know the matchups. And I feel like more so in college basketball than any other collegiate sport, it's about... Matchups in the NCAA tournament. So if BYU gets a team like USC or Boise State, then it's going to be a challenge. A team that will significantly pressure BYU on the perimeter, take them off the three point line, really hound them on the ball screens, um, and, and make life difficult for Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett coming out those ball screens. then then it could get a little bit weird, even in the first round. If BYU's in a 7-10 matchup, it, it's about matchups. So if BYU's given a favorable matchup in the opening round, great, yes. Then they win, have some confidence, and who knows what happens in the second round. Then you've got a legitimate chance to get to the second weekend. But for me, it's, it's hard to know. I like the way that they're playing. The one thing I, d- I do believe in consistently is that BYU plays defense. They guard, regardless.
1: Yes, regard. Since 2008, this is BYU's best defensive team by adjusted defensive efficiency with Ken Palm. They guard. That tells a lot, which means if you're not shooting well, you can still stay in the game, which is what happened in the second half, by the way, against Gonzaga. BYU was terrible offensively in the second half after being unbelievable in the first half, but it was still a game late in the game. BYU even had a nine-point lead with nine minutes to go.
0: BYU's won enough games... Hang another banner. ...beautifully ugly to steal Coach Pope's phrase that... I feel like even if they're not shooting the ball well, they can beat some good teams. BYU's done this.
1: Yes, and BYU's learned. Like, BYU has learned the last, what, seven or eight games post Pepperdine. Okay, we can't go down early we, to Gonzaga, didn't, uh, and we can play better defense. And then BYU's in the game late. Because I think down the stretch, BYU's generally speaking played pretty well.
0: They've been a second-half team more often than not this season.
1: Yeah. And I'm fine with being a first-half team as long as that lead is big. Like, like when people dog on Gonzaga, it's hilarious. like, oh, they haven't played any close games. Because they're good. They should be rewarded for that. Like, oh, we're going to mail it in and play a close game so it looks like we were tested? No. And that was the best thing that could have happened to Gonzaga, by the way, was that BYU did it again. BYU didn't win. But remember, when BYU uh, when Gonzaga went to its only Final Four, the Cougars... Uh, upset the Zags, number one, trying to finish undefeated, and that helped Gonzaga sort of be like, oh, yeah, wake up, just make sure we're good, to the Final Four. Um, And this year, maybe that's the same way where it was like, oh, we got, like, the fear of God in us from almost losing a game, and it wouldn't have mattered for Gonzaga. still would have been a one seed and probably the overall number one still. So uh, all good. I'm excited about this. This is the most excited I've been for an NCAA tournament in a while because BYU defends. I was excited last year, but we didn't see it, obviously. And because
0: BYU is going to be in the tournament, that adds some excitement to it as well.
1: Hey, they're going to play uh, because, you know, on the, on this day tomorrow a year ago, uh, today, and we'll talk about this a little later, but tonight was the NBA, you know, s- stops the season. Tomorrow is the, there's no March Madness and literally like every sport stops. All the tournaments start stopping as well. Um, and and it, was, it was just brutal. But, yeah. but, but here we are a year later. We're talking about BYU as a single-digit seed again, which is unbelievable. Not just in the tourney. Guaranteed single-digit seed. A lock
0: as like, a single-digit like seed.
1: Guaranteed single-digit seed is unbelievable given who BYU lost. So I would submit this question as, as we look at the way too early for next year. What grad transfers will BYU get? Because if BYU does not get both Brandon Averitt and Matt Harms, BYU is not in the tourney is not in the tourney, in my opinion. They, they probably would have been bubblicious. Maybe they get in. But, like, BYU needed Brandon Averett, needed Matt Harms, and then, of course, needed Alex Barcella to make the jump. And all three did.
0: All the more reason for those guys to just come back and play one more year. That'd be nice. When there will be, hopefully, full-capacity crowds at the Marriott Center and get back to the Marriott Center magic, that energy. Oh,
1: this fall? Let's, Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, man. Hey, if Spencer J. Cox has anything to say about it, there'll be no masks. It's happening. You know, 70% vaccinated. Let's go,
0: baby. If BYU is a 6 seed, then I'm not as worried about the matchup, per se, because I feel like, all right, if you're a 6 seed and you're playing an 11 seed, you are the favorite. You should win that opening round game. Yes. Yes. But 7-10, it's always tough. That's that's still pretty close to 8-9. Yeah. BYU was a 7th seed in 2010, Jimmer Fredette's junior year against Florida. Went to double overtime. That was madness. Yeah. But they found a way, you know, as the chalk. Thanks to Michael Lloyd. To be a Michael Lloyd in his 24 points, like was it? Like 26. Oh, it? Yeah. my goodness. It was amazing. But listen to these, these resume numbers and tell me that BYU doesn't deserve a six seed. The Cougars are, again, plus 1 today, number 19 in the net rankings, 24 in Ken Palm, 29 in ESPN's Basketball Power Index, 10 in KPI. Their strength record is 21. Sagarin 24. This screams six seed why to me.
1: I said it yesterday. Why isn't BYU in the discussion for a five or six? Right now, it's just like seven or eight. Why not? I don't. I don't get why not. Are we jaded? Are is we it, so
0: jaded because of the Sunday play situation and oh, well, well, it's not us. BYU just gets dropped down a line. It's and, the
1: bracketologists. The Sunday play thing shouldn't be as big a deal this year with everyone playing in the same location. Yes. So, why is no, yeah the athletic has BYU's six? There you go. There's a six. But but why Andy Cats CBS ESPN eight seed? Why why eight? I don't understand that.
0: The metrics scream
1: thirty two to thirty five. No 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 no. BYU is in the kind of twenty to twenty six range in a lot of this. Why wouldn't BYU be a five? I don't understand why that's not a discussion. Okay, I guess BYU just had to win uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> this
2: is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU
0: Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, our second guest of the day. He is a volleyball superstar for the second-ranked Cougars, Davide Gardini. Davide, welcome back to the show. How are you?
7: Thank you, guys. Pretty good. How are you doing?
0: We're doing We're well. Doing good. I do want to bring up something uh, that was discussed during the break, and that is Jason Shepard altering your name because Jason, you've called him at times Dave Garden.
4: Well, I just, I just, it's, I, I was Americanizing it and just went from Davide Gardini to Dave Garden. So I asked Davide, I said, so does it get the thumbs up or wh- or should I should I get rid of it? And and Davide, you want to you want to make it official on camera what you prefer?
7: Yeah. We should probably get rid of it. It's not, the worst it's not the worst one, but it's it's very American, you know. Okay, all
4: right. All right, Davide Gardini it is. 100% moving Shut forward. it forward. It's it's Perfect. gone. It's Davide gone. with the roof block
0: right there okay. on Jason Shepard. Yes, oh, I, I like love it. it. <laughs> Okay, we're excited about having some fans back in the Smith House. I can't imagine that uh, you're, you're opposed to welcoming some of BYU Sports Nation back in to watch your games. How do you feel uh, the difference, or what kind of a difference do you feel it'll make to have even limited fans in the Fieldhouse?
7: Uh, it, it's amazing. It, it's a great feeling, you know, knowing that we're going to have some uh, fans back, you know, safe circumstances and distance. It, it's it's going to be good. And the Smithfield House always makes a big difference for us, but when fans – aren't in is just so much better so like the the feeling that we get is it's huge and you know it's it helps us and it also makes it, everything more fun and that's what we're going for and last time we played Stanford at home last year we had like a crowd like an amazing crowd I think it was a record for the program or something so we're excited to be to have some people back again
4: Davide, it goes without saying that obviously a lot has changed in the last year and everybody's kind of looking back at one year ago when when sports started to, you know, get pushed aside a little bit and, and other things were a little bit more important. Um, where do you feel you have grown the most as a person and as a volleyball player over the last year?
7: Yeah, I I think that during this like we had we've had a very long break. I had a chance to go back to Italy and it was the first time in my life where I had a chance to actually focus on something else other than volleyball for like an extended amount of time. You know, I still worked out, worked on my game a little bit, but I I you know, I grew some hobbies and I started doing something else, focused on my um mental health and a lot of things that I never uh, worked on and it's a pretty good thing for me i, I think I've, I've made a lot of good strides in there and for the volleyball game of course uh nine months is a long time to you know improve um, bring new things into your game and uh, I, i've worked on a couple of things but you know even if it's like looks like a long time when you're at this level it takes even longer to like get new skills or improve on something so it, it's been definitely like a good part of my life this this year has been like A lot of things were going on, but I liked it.
0: Davide Gardini with us on BYU Sports Nation, volleyball star for the second-ranked Cougars. In comes Stanford, a program that is almost unbelievably shutting things down. They've got so much tradition and have had so much success. This is the last time they're going to visit Provo. So how are you managing kind of the weird emotions surrounding this two-game series with the Cardinal?
7: It's a weird feeling. You know, when we heard the news over the summer, it was like, we're all shocked. It's, it's, a, it's a sad thing, and we're sad that it's happening right now. But um, we, we know that they're coming here, and they, they want to get away. Like, they have nothing to lose, and they have a very good team, scrappy players, good players. So it, it's going to be tough for us, you know. They, they're, they're, coming, they're coming hot, and it's going to be a f- fun game for sure.
4: Let's focus on, uh, on your team. Where do you feel that you guys have gotten better since game one to now? Where's the biggest improvement Ben? Um, I think the
7: we trust each other uh, a lot more. Last year we were doing very good at that, but then over the break, you know, we, we bring back all of the guys, but it doesn't mean that the things are going to stay the same. So we had to work on uh, building some more trust again. And the first couple of games we struggled with that in some place, we, we could see that we were not trusting each other, in seems, and in certain situations. But, like after a couple of games, we we started seeing that you know it's coming back, and it feels so much better when when you know you trust the guy next to you to make a good play, and he trusts you. That's that's what we need to bring back, and that's what I make that's what's going to make us a good team again, like a great team.
0: No doubt about it. Davide Gardini on BYU Sports Nation. If it's not trust, what is the biggest strength of your team right now?
7: Who um, I think we are serving and passing very well. Um, For sure. Those those are the big things for for us right now. And blocking is something that we've been always very good at. And this year we're good, but not as good as we can be. So, you know, it's something that we're working on. And when we bring that to the next level, we are going to have serving, passing and blocking at a high level. And that's going to make a difference.
4: Okay, so during this whole interview, I've noticed something, and I debated whether I should ask about it or not. So in the background, I see a poster of Tom Brady. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so does that mean that you're a Tom Brady fan, or are you a Patriots fan? I neither. I, I mean, honestly, more like
7: Tom Brady fan, but I'm a fan of what he represents, like what he's done in his career, like his personality, like everything that he's done is something that, uh, I admire a lot. So I don't necessarily understand or like football that much, but just him as like a, as an athlete, he did something amazing. So he reminds me of that when I when I look at the poster.
0: Not a bad role model for sure. Uh, he just re-signed <laughs> no. for another year of football, by four the way, years. this morning.
4: Four years? Four-year deal.
0: He, he re-signed this morning
4: for four years <laughs> he, to
7: stay with Tampa
0: gonna, Bay. He's going to play until he's 50, we're pretty sure. So, Davide, are you going to be the first international volleyball star that goes until you're 50? And volleyball is a tough sport. I don't
7: know if you can get to 50 jumping, those jumps. Probably not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that's totally fair. Uh, Let's uh, focus on the rankings for a moment. BYU opened the season number one. You had the target on your backs. You're at number two right now. As you mentioned, playing better volleyball, you trust each other more. You're serving and passing better. How much do you use getting back to that number one ranking as motivation for BYU?
7: It's it's something that fuels us, for sure. We we want to get back up there. We, we know we deserve that spot. We know that if we play the way we know we can play, we're going to be up there. So um, it's in the back of our mind, but at the same time, we're not trying to focus on that. Like, at the end of the day, it matters what we do in May at the tournament. So being number one when we get there is going to be good for us, for sure. But... What matters is to, like, have a really good high-level volleyball, uh, having a good team together. So we're not too much focused on that right now.
4: Well, and look, I think this is, I'm sure, what played into why you wanted to come to BYU. But when you look at what this program does year in and year out, it's always in the mix every single year. What is that like to know that every single year you're going to have an opportunity to play really deep into the postseason? I mean that that's that's the best feeling. That's like that's why all of us are here,
7: like all of the international guys that came here we're here because of that. And you know, it doesn't just come like all of a sudden, like we worked hard for that in the off season and year in and year out. So it, it's a good feeling knowing that at the end of the day we are gonna be up there working like fighting for a national championship. And man, we we've been BOU's been closed a lot of times and we we know we have like the guys to finish it this year and we just gotta really work hard for that because we
0: want it davide undoubtedly byu volleyball is full of stars with Gabby garcia fernandez yourself zach eschenberg will stanley but i do want you to give a shout out to maybe the one teammate you feel deserves some more credit that's uh, a little bit in the shadow of so many big hitters so who's the guy that deserves more credit on your team right now
7: I think there are two guys they are always a little overlooked and Mickey and Mitch, both of them are doing something that, you know, Mitch is a libero. So not everybody sees like the hard work that he puts in and how much he means to us, but he team, like he's an amazing player. He's done so much for us and we, we love him. So I think he deserves a little more love, you know, (laughs) and Mickey is another guy that, you know, he doesn't get that many kills. So at the end of the day, when people look at the sheet at the end of the game, they're just, eh. But the touches that he gets blocking-wise, the, the energy that he brings, his, serve, his the defense that he plays as a middle are all like good things that we need. And we wouldn't be where we are without Mickey and Mitch as well.
0: Davide, I'm just going to say it. You would dominate Tom Brady in volleyball. <laughs> and I would, I would pay good money to see it, man. So we'll see if we can't line something up with Tom. It
7: would be nice. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hook me up.
0: <laughs> hey, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the matches against Stanford. And uh, we appreciate you, man. Got a great attitude. Good to see that smile on your face, and we're happy to be watching uh, BYU volleyball in the Smithfield house.
7: Thank you so much, guys. You I got it. Cougs.
0: Davide Gardini on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Does he not have, like, the best temperament?
4: That's He's great. He's great. But sir, when, when that interview started, I'm like, Oh, there's Tom Brady in the background. And then that's all I could see for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not hearing anything Davide is saying.
0: I'm just focusing on the fact that Tom Brady beat my cheeks. So I'm
4: like, I don't know. I don't know if that's his. I don't know if he has a roommate. Maybe that's the roommate's poster. So I had to ask. I have to ask about Tom Brady. And yeah, it is timely because he just signed a contract extension with the Bucks this morning.
0: Hey, do we need to write a rap song about Davide Gardini? Do, 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 do Davide no, I'm, Gardini. I'm going to
4: stop you. <laughs> Again, you've done this okay. when the digital, uh, you know, it's true. Reels are rolling. Please, nobody turn that in. <laughs> that is going to be something by the end of the day, maybe within the hour. I'm sure.
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects
0: our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the head coach of 12th-ranked BYU Gymnastics, guard, Young. Guard. great to have you back on the show. And we're so excited that you're going to have fans in the stands at the Marriott Center tonight. What type of impact and difference do even a limited number of fans make for your girls and their performance?
8: Yeah, we will take one, two, or you know, a thousand fans, whatever they're going to let us in that building. So, um, it's it's been definitely a, a surreal, surreal season. We've been to places where it's just been us. We've been to places where they've let fans in. We've been to places where it's just mom and dad at the stands. So, we got a great squad led by seven amazing seniors that's just adaptable. So, I think that's the that's the key To success this year is just be adaptable and roll with it and and then go out and do your job.
1: They've been amazing, and this whole team's been amazing, guard. Congratulations on a, a really successful season so far. And I know you guys want to keep this going. What do you need to accomplish tonight against a really good Denver squad as well?
8: Yeah, Denver number 11 right now, they just squeaked ahead of us. So, number 11 versus the number 12 tonight, you know, we're jockeying for those final positions to be seated going into the the NCAA tournament. Um so it's going to be a back and forth meet. They'll have a great meet, we'll have a great meet. We're sitting on a, a 196 nine to something. Uh which is a good score uh for us. And so we're going to have to see a 197 meet to really make a difference for our uh, to move up in the seating.
0: Okay, that you just answered my next question is uh, have you zeroed in on the score and you feel like you got to go 197 plus? Uh What do your girls think about the pressure of competing for a score like that? Are are they worried about stuff like that? How do you keep them just focused on one event at a time, one routine at a time and not thinking about, Oh man, we got to score one ninety seven?
8: Yeah. I I think right now we're kind of focused in on our seniors. Let's just go out our senior night and let these girls have a great experience and celebrate them. Um, They've been playing for, for BYU for the past four years. So, you know, Win, lose, draw, high score, low score. We're just about to celebrate senior senior night.
1: And as you approach, uh, you know MRGCs and, and regionals, and what you hope will be nationals. How can this team take this? You've taken the step up in the regular season. I guess getting to nationals is probably the next step, right?
8: You know, uh, a couple years ago we redid the format, and so you know before there were six different region spots and. You know, 12 teams would make it into the final championship round, um, and now that's down to eight. And so, you know, for us, we just want to try to get as far in the tournament as possible. Um, Obviously, you know, priorities would be to have a good showing, if not win the the MRGC conference uh, championship this year um so we'll go in probably as the favorites but it's a really good conference all four teams are in the top 20 so you know really who puts the best meat down that night will be the the champion um and then off to the tournament where you know you'll see well we got to buy in the first round we'll go into the second round and try to make a berth into the sweet 16 is what we'll call it you know the regional finalist team and then from there who who knows Let's talk about the locations
0: of regionals and nationals. How is that all going to work with the NCAA? Same locations? Are there going to be different pods? How is that all going to work?
8: Yeah, so, you know, originally, you know, a couple years ago, they selected six different sites when it was a six regional site. And then that whittled down to four. And then this year four sites couldn't host it. So it got opened back up and, and moved. And so we got one site here in the West, which is will be at the Maverick Center, hosted by University of Utah. And then the rest you go back east. The the two other three other choices are Georgia, Alabama, and West Virginia. So while our girls, you know, want to travel and go see those places. I'm kind of like, yeah, going up 45 minutes up to the (laughs) Mavericks. screen just sounds pretty good, too. So we'll be happy no matter where we go. Um, Just excited for the opportunity to compete. And that really has been kind of the theme all year.
0: Coach, we're thrilled for you, the team, and especially the seniors. We're going to honor them tonight uh, on the broadcast against Denver. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. You can distribute that among your team. And uh, we'll look forward to a fantastic meet tonight. Great seeing you guys. You got it. Guard Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. Joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show
1: how. Could be great tonight. 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Can't wait.
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. In his column this morning, CBS Sports' John Rostein said the following about BYU. Mark Pope deserves credit for the job he's done. BYU fans may not want to hear it that this morning after last night's loss to Gonzaga, but it needs to be pointed out what Pope has accomplished during his first two seasons in Provo. The Cougars are a combined 44-14 and 14 over the past two seasons and have been in position to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. That's an impressive feat for a program from the WCC not named Gonzaga. You won't want to play this team during the next few weeks. So, based off what he just said, we're asking ourselves, moral victory or not, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, let's slice it up. BYU didn't trail 23-4 or 15-2 in this one. In fact, BYU led the game for 30 minutes, moral victory
0: or not. Moral victory. Yes, this is the epitome of a moral victory for BYU. This whole show, all of our diatribe, the whole conversation we've had today has been centralized on moral victories. Yes, one million percent.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, The fact that BYU didn't go down was good. It wasn't just that. BYU went out. Like, BYU's up 14 in this game. Are you kidding me? Yes. Absolutely. Moral victory. Totally.
0: All right, on to the next. BYU leading Gonzaga by 12 points at halftime, Jerem. Moral yes. victory or not?
1: Yes. Raise your hand if you led Gonzaga by 12 at half this year. There's like a handful. Is it only BYU? Yeah. Is it – I think it was only BYU. Um, only BYU. How about that? Like, absolutely, yes. All of this matters because you're shaping perception. It's not all about wins and losses per se. There's, there's more gray area to the game. And what BYU did yeah. last night really helped its cause.
0: Remember in 2013 when you initially put your hair on the line when the BYU women's basketball team played dominant UConn, a team that was never going to lose in the Sweet 16, and you're like, yeah, BYU's women's team beats UConn, I'll shave my hair. And and then it was tied at halftime or BYU was down by two or something like that. They had a lead on UConn. This feels like that, Jerem. Gonzaga is that level. They're so good. They they have reached that. Oh, man, they're they're probably going to win the national championship. This is comparable to that. So BYU being up 12 on Gonzaga, yes, is such a moral victory. And, in fact, it was. Moral
1: victory. There you go. Uh, What won't be a moral victory here? Uh, BYU's up 14 near the end of the first half. Largest deficit for the Zags It's 2018. What? Wild. Wild. Is that a moral victory?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, the, moral again, the victory. whole thing. The whole thing yeah, is all the moral everything victories. we bring up is going to be a moral BYU victory. Is, BYU is undefeated in moral victories this season. Moral <laughs> Just this game alone. Let's go. Nas- moral victory national champions.
1: Yes. We, yes. Losers <laughs> talk
0: about margin, and uh, BYU lost for sure. <laughs> yes. All right, Jerem, next one. BYU- took care of the basketball. They turned the ball over 21 times against Pepperdine, survived, but only turned the ball over eight times against Gonzaga. Is, you know, getting better in that regard, a moral victory?
1: Yes, all of it's a moral victory. Moral victory. The <laughs> only thing that wasn't a moral victory is BYU shooting 28% from from the field in the second half, uh, 13% from three, like, no, that wasn't a moral victory, but the overall way BYU played was awesome. Zero fast break points for BYU. That wasn't good. But look, mm. it's all good, man. Like I tweeted like after the game I was like, "Great great effort. Uh, you know, happy. Super happy. Like all good, man. All good." Kay. You know what's
0: an actual victory today, Jerem? An what? actual victory. The fact that we did live shots from two different locations within the same show—how about actual that? That's an victory. actual victory. That's pretty
1: good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Um, and th- let's see—I guess it was last year, but yeah, we we—you uh, know—I was on the beach uh, in Florida for a shot. Now you're in Vegas, just like hanging outside, the, you know, Allegiant Stadium with the Raiders. So look at us, man. Who would have thought we'd be here? Not me. Who did that? Not me. Thought? Not me. Thought? Not me. Thought? Um, Yeah, Trevin Nell's <laughs> twenty-point game.
0: Moral victory or not? That's a moral victory, Trevor Nell. The Trevor Nell game. Jared, this this actually might in in one way with the BYU Sports Nation karma in mind because remember we gave the karma to Trevor early oh. in the week to preview the West Coast Conference tournament. Oh. Him having the karma that is an actual victory in its actual own victory. right.
1: Oh, there it yeah. is. Yeah, Skyler Halford tweeted at us during the game saying, "Hey, uh, he's got you know got the karma." Uh Trevin Nell and Skylar Halford was one of the OGs with the karma. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, Trevin, uh, again, according to his teammates, he's not just winning on the court, he's winning off the court as shoot, well. shooter so. on and, and off Trevin. the court.
1: Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, exactly.
0: Shooter's going to shoot, man. All right. Actual victory. Kay. So how about this, Jerem? Of the five games the season that Gonzaga won by 12 points or less, Two of them have been against BYU, an 11-point win and last night's 10-point win. Is that a moral victory?
1: Yes. Uh, Moral victory. I don't get why BYU's done this twice. In Provo and Vegas, (sighs) BYU's fouling when it's a single-digit game. Don't foul! And then doesn't really... Why? Like, BYU did cover last night, by the way. But in Provo, BYU didn't and could have had it two single-digit games. I don't understand, like, and BYU wasn't, like, shooting threes. I don't get what the point of that was.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it, frankly, that's an actual victory uh, for a lot of people actual that victory. <laughs> were in Las Vegas last night, BYU covering. So, hey, they're all BYU fans today, man. Everybody that uh, thought the Cougs would show up, they're feeling good about what BYU did.
1: Okay, last but not least, ESPN's Sean Farnham's love for The Rock.
0: That's uh, yeah. That's a moral victory. Moral I mean, th- victory. Way, uh, no, this is actual. This is an actual victory. No, I was gonna say in, in, in a way that that, that feels like that feels like an actual victory because he, he brings it up every time. Yes, you know it, it, it was a spiritual experience for Sean Farnham in the Marriott Center. Yes, it was last year when BYU upset the Zags, and it's like. Remember Jimmy Dykes, the the, the yes. college basketball analyst for ESPN forever, that did Big Monday and called all those late games for BYU. He was the guy that carried that banner for so long. Yeah. Now it's Sean Farnham that's carrying the banner for BYU and the Rock and the Marriott Center and all of those fa- those fabulous crowds. So yeah, that that feels like an actual victory. It
1: is carrying the banner. Was it? What is this Newsies? I love it. I love it.
0: Well, I am standing in front of the Raider Stadium. You know, I, shouldn't there, I? Should be waving bunch, like a
1: bunch of shows, sort of banner. Bunch of shows on, <laughs> uh, you know, on the strip. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right.
2: Yes, the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most
4: challenging shipping problems. All right, right out of the gate, uh, BYU running back Hinkley Rapati has, uh, has been working out a bit. Uh, there was a, uh, yeah, he, he's not skipped the weight room, and there was a, there was a shot. Look, look at this. Yesterday, look, those biceps, and look, I, I skip leg day. They're easily double the size of my legs. He's wearing number seven,
0: his best uh, Taysom Hill impression. He's got the knee brace on. He does
4: look a little like Taysom there, right? (laughs) All right. But let's take it one step further. Okay. Fessy Satake, who we mentioned earlier in this program, in fact, you heard from him, (laughs) uh, also has been working out, and they shockingly look very similar. (laughs) Maybe they're just on the same meal plan. I don't know. Fess, you look great, man. <laughs> so much. No, yeah, well done, Fessy. There's no such thing as a dad bod for <laughs>
0: Fessy Satake. That's incredible. Uh, by the way, would you tackle Hinkler Rapati? What would it take to make you tackle him?
4: Um, I don't know. A death wish? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably do it for a thousand bucks. I set my number. I'm like, oh yeah. I'd probably try and tackle him for a thousand bucks. I'm sure I'd fill it. Might pay for the concussion in the hospital,
4: say, but is that what your deductible is? Probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs>
0: BYU gymnastics on senior night put up their highest score in 17 years, a 197.3, but lost to
4: Denver. Should we be disappointed, Jason? Look, I mean. Any athlete is gonna be disappointed that you don't lose, but the fact that you were able to get your highest score in 17 years, that's an accomplishment. It stinks that you weren't able to win, but that that's quite an accomplishment. I don't I don't think you're disappointed with that.
0: In gymnastics, more than any other sport, the head-to-head duels probably mean the least. Right. Because you look at the overall resume, you combine all the scores together, and it just doesn't matter. It's about okay, where are we as a team? Did we get better? So you're in large part many times competing against yourself. BYU is ranked number 12 in the country. They're in a great position to maybe do something magical coming up in the spring.
4: Okay, are you you ready for this? I'm ready. Because there is something that is out there in the world today that was not there a few days ago, and it's making the world a better place. I am talking about a Zach Wilson rap song. Oh! So should we we listen in? Listen, Ty Demmer had a rap song, Jimmer Fredette had a rap song, now Zach
0: Wilson has a rap song. It's good company. Take a listen.
6: The are back, the are back. Everybody talking about the quarterback,
0: the coups are back, the coups are back. Everybody talking about the quarterback. Okay. Yeah, Here we go. Are you a jack? Are you a falcon? Are you a jack? You going south at <sighs> Edel- yeah. Okay, so
4: is having a rap song written about you the ultimate sign that you are a BYU legend?
0: Yes. We just went through them. Yes. How many players individually have had rap songs written about them? I can't think of any others besides Ty Detmer, Jimmer Fredette, and now Zach Wilson. Zach, 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 Zach Wilson. Did I get it right? Did-
4: there you go. <laughs> you put that up with... Who Ungawa? BYU's got tie power. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Look, and by the way, that was written by uh, Jacob Sorensen, produced by Brandon Beals. B squared, Brandon Beals squared. So, congratulations, guys. Um, Yeah, when you've when you've reached the level that a rap song is written about you, you have arrived. Right. You you've arrived. Whether you like it or not, (laughs) the arrival is there. Oh, you're there. You're there.
2: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU
0: TV and BYU Radio.